Welcome to a bonus episode of That Deity Though, an apologetics podcast where we deal with topics surrounding the deity of Christ and the Trinity. I tried doing that both directly and indirectly because we have both verses that are direct and indirect, right? Some of those that we've touched on already that were more explicit like Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, um, Revelation chapter 1, um, right? The connection when you put them together in, in Psalm 102 verses 25 through 27 and Hebrews chapter 1 verses 10 through 12 right and there's also times when the divinity of christ is more so implied right or theologically assumed but it's based on context right because we know context reveals proper understanding which then leads to proper application right and so i hope to do just that and by god's grace be a faithful resource for you um as you listen um, and it's my prayer that these episodes might stir your affections for Christ and that it will overflow in worship and evangelism. Right. And so for those of you who don't know, I am your host, E.C. Holmes, a.k.a. Yes, that's my real name. <laughs> um, before we get into today's content, I do want to shout out my wife for giving me my third baby girl. Um, she was born just the other day, July 6th. Um, and so we just brought her home. And right now I'm kind of sneaking away just so I can record this intro. So please keep me in prayer um, for me to steward my time faithfully um, with my family um, and with ministry, with my church. And so today what I want to do is share a Sunday school lesson that I did last year um, at my church. And, and so what I believe is that uh, scripture is always relevant, right? It's always relevant to the time. Scripture is always relevant to what God has called us, right? And what he has called us to do. Now, those are two different things if you called it, right? Um, our title and our duty, two different things. And so today what I want to do is share this message that unpacks um, what we find in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And with this message, I hope that you will walk away recognizing or at least being reminded that we the church, we're the answer to the problems that we see in our world today, right? The answer is not more government. The answer is not less government, right? It's definitely not more autonomy, right? It's not more freedom to do what thou wilt. And ultimately, we know that it's God who's the answer, right? But what we see time and time again is God primarily works through his people to be a means of grace. He works through his people to be mercy extended, right? to the world and like it says in romans chapter 10 verse 15 as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news right and the good news addresses the heart of all individuals equally the gospel does not quarrel over melanin and does not require further repentance for those who lack it and so i pray that the church will wake up i pray that we will assume our position and to speak to hearts right these are people we're talking about to to herald salvation by grace through faith. Right. And to do it faithfully, not looking through socially constructed, polarized lenses, but through the polarizing truth that joins us beyond surfacey things. Right. Deeper than our DNA. And I trust that what we will see is the reality that the darkness will never drive out the light of Christ. It says you are the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste how shall its saltiness be restored it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet you are the light of the world 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So obviously we reach verses 13 through 16 and um, of, of this sermon. And I think it's interesting. I wish I was here for the other messages. But um, I think this is a special sermon for many reasons. Some of them are obvious. Um, but one of the reasons is that this is a very encouraging message um, in this, at least in the beginning of the chapter. Um, it's encouraging because it tells us that blessed are those who face many kinds of trials, right? That their eternal hope is to come, that they have something to hope in. Not hoping that this might happen, but it's an assurance of hope. Because of what Christ has done, we have hope for the future after the grave. Blessed are those who have a desire to be righteous. Um, those who have a desire to be righteous are fed and nourished by God. Um, also, blessed are those who walk in the love of God, being merciful, making peace in the world. And so these are people that are blessed, live in this way, in this manner. Obviously, we know why, because they've experienced these things from God and reciprocated. It seems like we talk about the same thing every week. Um, it's always rooted in God and we live out what God has done for us. Um, and so the second reason, first, that this is encouraging, um, I'm only going to point out two reasons um, just so we can move on. But the sermon was given by Jesus, right? Charles Spurgeon was the prince of preachers, and I'm sure Jesus is the king of all preachers, right? And so just for this reason alone, it makes it an extra special sermon. In sure, all of scripture is God-breathed, but here, just like in other places in scripture, we see that the spirit of God here through through Matthew is recording the words of the word, namely Jesus Christ. And so as we look back to the first point, as far as this being an encouraging message, um, it is the Christ who is the shepherd encouraging his sheep. And could you imagine sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to this sermon and him telling us that we are blessed if we are like this and this is what's to come? And that he is our hope and we actually were looking into his eyes. And I think what will come from that and what should come when we read the scriptures is an unwavering hope and security. Right. An unfading joy, unchallengeable wisdom. Would you ever allow somebody to challenge something that Jesus told you face to face? Right. We shouldn't let people challenge what God has told us in his word. Right. When we look into scriptures, we look into the face of God. So it also would give us an unstoppable motivation. I don't think anything will be able to stop me. I don't think any doubts will creep in if I actually sat at the feet of Jesus, right? And we're pretty far removed from that time. And so doubts and other things can kind of cripple us and take away our motivation because of the cares of the world, really. And so here we find some of the marks of the Christian that makes it possible for us not to become, but to be what Jesus says that we are in these verses here. Um, those who are blessed, fortunate and favored by God, image God to the world, <clears throat> not just in a visible way, but in a tangible way, in a way that causes the world to give glory to God. And we're going to just look at this passage one more time. Um, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven and so i titled today's lesson salt and light right and it was interesting um coming to this text to teach on it or, or whatever you want to call it this is a message that we've heard countless amount of times you can you probably need more than two hands to count how many times somebody has went to this text and told you what was the significance of salt what was the significance of light and so coming to it my first thought wasn't let's bring out what's here my first thought was well what can I say that will be different and that's not really the approach that we should have but it's interesting though thinking about that well what can be different when I was looking at salt and light and understanding the significance of those things is what I see there is that salt and light is a means of common grace and evangelism to the world and so that's kind of the angle that we're going to observe these two these two points here and so Jesus says like I said that not that we will become but he says that we are two things and that is salt and light and while salt may have its health benefits and risks to the human body, it can be in some sense understood as a type or a shadow that is descriptive of God's people, right? Not only in scripture do we see types and shadows of Jesus, but we also see types and shadows of his people. And not sprinkled on a plate for food, but scattered throughout the world. Um, and in a similar way, while the sun may provide light to the world, the people of God provide a greater, a more significant, animate light to the world. And as great as it all sounds, it comes with a warning in this text. But however, in the warning, we're reminded of our purpose, um, or should I say God's purpose for us. And so here in this text, that purpose is a means of grace to the world and one who generates glory for God. Right. And not in the sense that it adds glory to God. And if I could chase this rabbit trail for one second. Right. This doesn't add glory to God right because he is perfectly and completely glorious apart from his creation right and so this is something that cannot be said about a unipersonal God I'm not sure if you've heard that term before but a unipersonal God would be like the Unitarian God that the one God that exists is not multi-personal he's not triune that there's one person and one being right and so a God or a being that's unipersonal right that's not multi-personal is dependent upon his creation to be able to express himself right because how could God love if there's no object of love he loves himself that's pointless right how can God show his glory if there's no one to see his glory like how could God do anything everything we do in life we interact with other people right to express ourselves right in a unipersonal God is dependent on something else well what's the difference between the triune god he's complete in and of himself because he interacts in love in himself between the father son and the holy spirit right he can communicate within himself he's fully all of his attributes are perfectly complete in and of himself he's not dependent on anything else and so when we view creation now creation is something that adds on to the glory of god right if you was a businessman and you own property every piece of property you acquire and you add it to your portfolio it adds on to how big of a real estate tycoon right that you are 
right? But God, being full and perfect and complete in and of himself, right? When God creates, it's a manifestation of the glory that he has. A manifestation versus something that's going to add on to the glory that he has. And so the glory received by God in this text is not glory that adds to him, but it's glory in the sense that the people of the earth recognize who God is and they worship him as God based off of what they see in his people doing on the earth. And so we'll take some time on the significance of salt and light because I think you have to, right? And so there's an interesting historical context to this term, salt. David Guzik says this, um, disciples are like salt because they are precious. In Jesus' day, salt was a valued commodity. Roman soldiers were sometimes paid with salt, giving rise to the term worth his salt. Have you guys ever heard that term before? That somebody is worth their salt? And so that comes from this here. And so with this understanding, what does that say about God's people? This is why we can be considered a means of grace to the world. Someone worth their salt is deserving of payment or a blessing, right? And God has given us as salt to the world, while the world isn't worthy to receive a blessing or to be owed a payment from God, right? The world doesn't deserve God's grace, but we are his mercy extended to them. So mercy for what? Because this world is decaying and rotting away. Right. And so we are the salt of the earth to preserve the earth. We are called to purify our sin infested communities. Um, I just want to take a moment to look at the definitions of this term purify or this word purify. I really like every single definition that's in the dictionary for it. One, it says to make pure, obvious, free from anything that debases, pollutes, adulterates or contaminates. Two. To free from foreign, extraneous, or objectionable elements. Three, to free from guilt or evil. Four, to clear or purge. Um, and this definition even goes on to say, followed by of or from. So in other words, to clear or purge of or from something, which would obviously be the sin that's making the world decay and rot away. And so the fifth definition here is to make clean for ceremonial or ritual use, which in this text I would say is to praise God in light of our good works, turning from sin to the recognition and worship of God. And so Christians are obviously to be good for the world. We heard the, the reason for salt being used here, saying that we should be flavorful, right? And so we should be good for the world. We should show forth the goodness of God, right? We are to display his character to the world. We are to share his beauty to the world. We are to be meek, righteous, pure of heart, peacemakers, all in a God-glorifying, bold manner, right? And where do we see this? If you've been here weeks before, you would know between verses 2 and 12. And so for this reason, we are blessed. And for this reason, the world is blessed through us. Because of the Holy Spirit, the Christians should raise the blood pressure of the world with all of this salt, right? <laughs> and so when somebody has high blood pressure, what do they do? They run to the doctor, right? Oh, that's good. You got it. And when the Christians are being sought in the world, we raise the blood pressure of the, the world and they run to the great physician, the God of glory, who prescribes himself, 
you said you want to find something new, you got That's right something there. new. You got right. And so, um, with that being said, if we should lose our saltiness, of what use are we? Right? At this point, we would not be fit to be used by God in this effort as far as to be a, a means of grace, um, of common grace, and even um, saving grace extended to them through us. And so uh, D.A. Carson says this, Most salt in the ancient world derived from salt marshes or the like, rather than evaporation of salt water, and therefore contained many impurities. The actual salt, being more soluble than the impurities, could be leached out, leaving a residue so dilute it was of little worth. Right? And so what does a deluded Christian look like? Right? One who doesn't display what we see in the Beatitude. Because there's too many impurities. So many impurities that you can't be merciful. You're, you're not hopeful. You're not seeking to be righteous. You're not a peacemaker. You're not all of these different things that are sought for the world, to preserve the world. When you make peace, you're preserving the world from potential destruction. Uh, what would happen if there was no peacemakers? Right? What would happen if there was no people of God being what we are called? In the scripture I feel like that's a, a a pretty interesting thing there that Jesus doesn't tell us this is what we should uh, should try to be or try to become or to pursue he's telling us what we are and we live these things out and so light um, let's go to John chapter 1 and we're just going to read verses 4 through 8 this is pretty interesting because we could probably spend a lot of time here but I'm just going to brush over it I thought this was interesting. Um, it's one thing for Jesus to say that we're the salt of the earth, but he also says that we're the light of the world, right? And so when we look at John chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, it says, In him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all may believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, right? <laughs> the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, right? And so one thing that happens in sanctification is after receiving light, right? We are not the light, but we receive light from Christ, and then we become light for the world, right? We're reflecting who Jesus is to the world. The moon gives light to the earth at night, but the moon doesn't generate light. The moon reflects light from the sun. So in this way, we are the light of the world. And so in which way are we lights to the world? Um, by showing Christ to the world through salvation, forgiveness of sins and sonship. Um, and what do we do? We focus on Jesus. We illuminate Jesus to the world. We drive away darkness. We make known the glory of God to a lost people. And so what good is a dim or a flickering light? What good is salt that loses its saltiness, right? What good is a dim or flickering light? Um, what good is a light that is hidden from those in darkness, right? In, in our culture, we might want to hide our light for many different reasons. Um, it's not popular to be a Christian in these days. Um, our message isn't exactly received as good vibes, right? Or inclusive to worldly passions. 
So many may hide their light in order to coexist, right? Just to fit in. And this is unacceptable for the one who has been given light, right? At first, light may be blinding for those who have been in darkness for their entire life, right? It's gonna, there's gonna be some recoil from us living out what we are to the world. And so, for some who are blinded, it's, it's already, it's gonna, it's gonna be blinding to them. But however, once blinded by our light, the Spirit of God gives new sight. He gives new eyes to those um, to see the light and embrace the light for what it is. That is to embrace Christ. And we see this with Saul on the road to Damascus. He was blinded by the light, right? And he was given new sight and he became a light to the Gentiles. Um, and even more than that, as we see, he, he penned scripture. So he became light to the whole world. We're also called a city that cannot be hidden, right? How many times have you looked at the houses on the hills in like Beverly Hills, right? Or the houses that are on the hills in these um, Caribbean islands and stuff like that. Or even cities like Piraeus. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that city in Athens, but it's literally, if you can picture hundreds of houses just on the hill and then there's like the beach, it's like you can't take your eyes off of it, right? You just wanna look and you wish you lived there. Um, and so you can't take your eyes on it. And so a city, as a city, we are salt and light together. And I say it this way because what is the impact of one grain of salt? Or what is the impact of one little light? If you look at a lightning bug at night, it's not providing light for you to see your footsteps, right? And so, um, what, so the, the difference between a grain or one little light, it's a greater impact when you have a city that is on a hill, when, when you're driving past the big city at night and you see all of its lights, right? It shines, it stands out, you can't miss it, and it draws you in, right? And so these three analogies um, powerfully describe the effect of God's people in the world. Salt is the opposite of corruption, and it prevents corruption from getting worse. Light gives the gift of guidance so that those who have lost their way can find their path home. And a city is the product of social order and government that, it's, that is against chaos and disorder. And that's what we are to the world. And all of these serve one purpose. Um, I'm not sure if you guys listen to Wrath and Grace Radio, but Omri, he, he shared a story about teaching kids um, the Bible. And uh, the name of the podcast was The Glory of God. And it was real dope the way he broke down the glory of God. But he told his students, Whenever you don't know the answer, just say, for the glory of God. <laughs> That's what it's all about, right? It's for the glory of God. And so our works, uh, which were prepared for us by God, not to be hidden, but to walk in, are a means of common grace and evangelism to the world, all for the glory of God. We are not responsible for the response of the people. Rather, we are responsible to be what Jesus says that we are salt and light and as we live like true disciples of jesus the lost will find rest in god and be glorified and so um this is where you guys can chime in i just have one question for some final thoughts and that question is what are some manifestations you've seen that are evident of christians being salt and light in our world i have an example of this. i kind of have a couple of levels um i have a friend 
before she was a Christian, she got pregnant when she was too young to care for a child. Um, one of the Christian pregnancy services, she put her son up for adoption and heard the gospel. And she got saved, and her son ended up in a Christian family, and he got saved. And so both there was a, you know, um, preventing taking a child's life when at the same time someone hearing the gospel. Nice. Because there was, so in that ministry there was both a gospel focus and a you know, practical love support for people. Mm. Nice. I know you got something, Dave. I get it. <laughs> I'm asking him if he wants to. Yeah, you asking him? There's a, a hospital that opened up in the hall like decades ago by now. And it was Christians that started it. They were caring for people. And now it's like, like probably held up the highest in the whole country, if not close to the highest. Hmm. Just seeing people that loved people because God loved them care for people and people have come to faith as a result of the hospital. Nice. I think of it in the sense of like um, when someone explains salt as being Christians being flavorful, I think of what, what things Christians have added to the world. Not in the sense of um, being a preservative, and I guess that's the impact of also adding flavor, um, but more so in the sense of Christians being at the forefront of, like you said, adoption. Um, when you think of education, um, Christians have built these great colleges that have become corrupt and liberal. <laughs> I was just going to say. Right? <laughs> it's Christians started who well. started these things. Yeah. When you think of science, um, there were many Christians in the beginning who see what God has created and wanted to know, like, man, what's behind what God has created? So they studied and observed these things. And of course, the world has taken over that and created a dichotomy saying that if you're a Christian, well, you can't be for science. Um, when science really is us just trying to examine what God has, has created. Uh, another thing, like back to education, is I think of like the literacy rate, how most people couldn't even read. Uh, most people couldn't do what we do today, opening up a Bible on the phone, having the Bible in a language that we can read. Um, when you think of the Latin Vulgate, not even just the priest, it was the priest that had it. Um, and the people who were somebody, right? The people who were great among everyone else, they were the only ones who were really able to read. And so it was Christians who said, you know what? God's people need to understand his word. So they died to give us a language that we can read or give it to us in a language that we can read, encouraging us to read. So now the literacy rate grows, right? And so um, when you think of intellectuals, right? Some of the major intellectuals throughout history were Christians. And so that's just one of those things that I thought was, was really dope. Any, anything else? Thomas Aquinas is still somebody that studied even from people that don't believe in I think it's just the impact of like a consistent Christian family in the neighborhood, or or a Christian within an extended family. And sometimes there's a rub, but there's there's also something um, different. That's there's a different flavor, a different aroma of this person's life. And they, you know, 
see something different. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think the greatest impact is us as a light, because you can preserve and you can prevent from decay um, just for, at some point, for it to rot away. Um, and so that combination of being the salt and the light, um, yeah. pointing people to Christ, I don't think there's many other nations who have been as impactful for the gospel as America. Um, and it's a shame to see where things are today. But it's still encouraging to see. Sometimes I look at social media and I, I wonder, is it more good or bad? Because there's so many lies on there, so many people just read statuses or memes and they run with it. And then they challenge everything they've believed for 15 years because of a two sentence meme. You know what I mean? But then there's people who receive light from social media. And if one person was saved through it versus however many false converts were led astray, then maybe social media is a good thing. <laughs> but it still challenges my position on that. Um, but I believe that, that we see evidence of Christians being salt and light. But also there's a challenge for us to, to not be lukewarm, right? But to be hot. Um, to choose and to actually live out what Jesus says that we are. Um, I think this would be a good time to close. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Um, thank you for getting us here safely. Thank you for gathering us around your word and your truth to encourage us, to motivate us, to live out what um, you have called us and what you have made us for the world. Lord, I pray that we would be that, that we would be your grace extended to the world that we would be your hands and feet, understanding that the, the power is in the gospel. Um, the power is not in our light, but in the light that we reflect to the world. And Lord, I pray that you would help us do that. Um, I pray you bless our service today and that you will be glorified and honored um, and that we will grow in, in our faith. First in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So yeah, I just want to say a quick thank you for everyone who stuck around and listened to that message. Um, I hope it motivated you. I hope it inspired you. Um, I hope it reminded you what God has called us. Not again. He didn't call us to become these things. This is what the believer is. Right. And this is who we are to the world as we represent Christ. I pray that the world will be drawn to him and glory will be given to him through what he is doing through us. Um, make sure you guys go back. If you're, this is your first time listening, check out the archives. I, I have some episodes on there that I hope you will find beneficial. Go ahead and look up the Bar Network. Um, we have a bunch of podcasts on there that you can listen to. Um, let me shout out Just Thinking. Uh, man, they, they hit number one on iTunes Christian podcast um, category. And so number one. And I think overall at one point they hit like 120 out of 900,000 podcasts on iTunes, which is uh, pretty, pretty wild, man. It's, it's dope to see what God is doing through Virgil Walker and Daryl Harrison. Um, I did have him on. I had Virgil Walker on to talk about wokeness, <laughs> the question of are you woke? And so go ahead and check out that episode. And I do plan on speaking with Virgil again in a future episode as we tackle the topic of abortion. But with that being said, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I'll catch you the next time around. Thank you for listening to that deity, though. Wisdom and knowledge revealed. Mm -hmm.